Hi, this is Corey Morris, and I am here. It's April 16, 2020, and I'm about to start a series on Christ's seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And I'm using this episode as to lay some foundations as we go into those those podcasts that will focus on the letters to each individual church but i want to use this as a podcast to help us to better understand some things about the book of revelation stick around and be blessed okay so uh, as we do the introduction to the letters to the seven churches, there are just some things that it's good for us to understand. First, uh, we would know that the book of Revelations was written by John, and it's a widely held view that this is the same John who would have written the gospel according to John, and the same John who would have written the four, the three epistles of John. And um, John the Beloved, so this is the same John. There are some persons who say it's not him, but most it's widely held in church circles that this is the same John who is now very much old and he's on the Isle of Patmos because he is he or he was preaching the gospel or he's a carrier of the gospel. Um, he receives the revelation from the Lord and he's receiving the revelation on a prison island prison called Patmos. And most of this you would you would receive as you read the first chapter of Revelation. Um, a couple of things we need to know before we go into the series is that these seven letters were originally written to seven historical churches. And we talk about historical churches and when you talk about people saying the historical Jesus, they're actually saying that Jesus was an actual historical figure. That means outside of biblical narrative, you will encounter writings about Jesus, even if these writings do not proclaim him to be the son of God. So there's a historical Jesus, just as these were historical churches, they actually exist. And as we go into it, you're going to find out that there, as we, we're going to look at some things in the introduction that helps us to better understand why is it that we need to know what jesus was writing to these seven historical churches so there were seven historical churches and they were in asia minor um forgive me i don't want to go into much about where asia minor is right now there was a time when i i had that notes with me so i could tell you that it'd probably be modern day turkey and some other places but don't quote me on that because i don't have that note with those notes with me right now but it would be in that geographic location above Jerusalem going up into Europe. I think that would be probably some of the first territories moving from Jerusalem going up to Europe and, and maybe Asia. Asia as in, you know, where you have the Philippines. Well, not the Philippines. When you're going up into Asia, alright? So I'm not, I'm not, this is not a geography lesson. I'm just telling you, you can Google it and you'll find out where these seven churches were situated. They were kind of situated across the Roman Empire and they weren't they weren't just down the road from each other they some of them were very far apart but these are seven historical churches so that's very important for us to understand that they actually existed a church in ephesus and smyrna and you name it wherever the churches were they actually existed pergamos 
and all of these different places now i'm not going to go into the name of all of the seven churches as i do each series i will highlight the church and what what the implications were behind the letters now there are some symbolic representations are these church even though they were historical churches that had actual members and probably actual an actual pastor or elders they have some symbolic meaning that have been given to these churches throughout church history now one of the symbolic meaning is that these churches also represent types of local churches that would exist throughout the church age and we talk about the church age we're just meaning from the day of pentecost until um as while the gospel is being exposed or while while gentiles are predominantly the focus of the gospel because there was a time when israel was the focus of what god was doing now the focus is on the gentile world even though jews are being saved and we call that the church age and if if you recognize there you'd be reading text and it says until the time of the gentiles is fulfilled we we consider that to be the church age the age where gentiles are being given an opportunity to receive um the, the the goodness of jesus receive salvation receive covering from our sins forgiveness of sins and the gift of the holy spirit is being issued out to the gentiles so when i said to the church age what i what i'm saying is that this the letter is actually even though there was a historical ephesus throughout the church age you're going to have churches that operate like ephesus local churches are going to operate just like how ephesus or predominantly it would have that characteristic and nature like ephesus so you might go to a church and it falls into one of the categories of these seven churches so your local assembly where you go each sunday could predominantly um, be very close in characteristics to one of these seven churches so that's one of the historical views are, are the symbolic representation of the church now number two um it is the, it can symbolically it can be symbolic of a global position of the church throughout the church age that simply means at different times throughout the church age most churches will operate like either of these churches and there's this book that i use believers bible commentary i'm not saying you should use believers bible commentary because a lot of their views are calvinistic but in everything you can get your ideas from it and um leave what you want to leave but most theological books will have something that you can gain from them but i'm not telling you to read believers this is not a plug for the believers bible commentary because a lot of their views are very calvinistic and when i say calvinistic they just mean that um once you're saved you cannot be unsaved and sometimes in order for that concept to go across there are some scriptures that are very even when we look at this series you're going to see some very clear scriptures that warn that your name not be blocked out of the book of life and they just twist it and say well it, it doesn't mean that your name would be and just some ridiculous things to make that particular calvinistic view hold and so i'm not a calvinist right so if you are god bless you and i hope that um we all meet in heaven to discuss whether or not calvin is, is right and i'm not armenian either anyway so let's go on so it just means that throughout the churches so so there are some according to the believer believers bible commentary they believe that we are in the last age the age of the last age we are in the age of the Laodicean church 
all right so predominantly all churches or most churches the main the main characteristics will be like that of the Laodicean church in this age as opposed to the other view where you say okay you'd have some churches are operating like Ephesus some are operating like Laodicea, some are operating like Smyrna. They hold that most of the church in this age is operating like the Laodicean church. So that's the other symbolic view of the churches in the book of Revelation. And number three, other possibilities, other possibilities now, is that den- is a denominational view. So therefore, each denomination or denominations will operate under one of these kind of heading so if you are a church of god in christ you could be ephesus if you are catholic you could be lord i'm not i'm just chewing chewing words out i'm not not hitting out on anything i'm just saying this so your denomination could be operating under the characteristic of one of these churches and the number four the other is that it's an individualistic view of believers. So therefore, you could be operating like the church in, in Ephesus. And other persons could be acting like the persons, the, the, the church in Philadelphia. And you're all a part of a local assembly. But in God's eyes, it's as if this, this individual is a part, they, they are carrying out the function of that church. Even though that individual is a part of a local assembly, but each individual then is operating differently. All right. So that's another view that could be placed out there as we look, we go into this study. So it's important that we have that idea as we're talking about the churches, because as I speak about the churches, you have to have this kind of mindset of what I'm going to try to bring across in order to understand why why this church have a very why this why these churches have a very important um uh, personal message to believers at all time throughout the church ages right because when we look at this these letters to these churches we are to see these churches as always being relevant throughout the entire church history unless you hold to the position that position number two that this is a global that these churches represent the global church at different stages from over the last two thousand years then the only letter the only letter that would apply to us now would be the church in Laodicea, right and i'm not a big proponent of that view but that's a view that is out there and that's how we can look at it all right so that's it so when we are going to come to these letters it's important that we have that kind of understanding in order to better be able to appreciate some of the things that i'm going to be bringing out in this lesson all right so I'm going to take an interlude and there's one more thing I want to speak about the book before we kind of take a dive into it. So just one minute interlude. Okay, so we're back again as we look at some of the symbolisms or the symbols in the book of Revelation. All right, so the second thing I want to highlight. Now, this this press beyond the first three chapters, and this information be helpful to the entire book of Revelation, right? Because one of the things about prophetic works is that it, the reason it is kind of hidden is because a lot of literal things, there are symbols that are used 
that so that the information is not as plain as probably reading a epistle a historical narrative or some other form of genre of biblical writing each book in the bible it takes on a different it is classified by a genre or it is classified as a type of writing so when you look in the new testament you recognize that you have the gospels but the gospels is really like a historical a historical narrative but it's about the life of jesus and they call that the gospels then you have the book of acts it's a historical narrative but it's about the church or the holy spirit operating in the church so that's the book of acts when you move from Acts, you go to Romans, from Romans to Jude, the type of writing that you encounter are epistles, that letters. So there are actual letters written to the churches or individuals or just generally written for anybody to read them. And each type of writing, you have to read it in a particular way in order to understand it, right? So let me give you an example. If, let's use an Old Testament example along with a New Testament. If I'm reading something that Jesus is saying, there are, in order to properly understand it, I might need to read a few of the verses before and a few of the verses after. Like if I read John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's good to read that kind of narrative to get to understand how there was a man there called Nicodemus and Jesus was having a discourse with him about how to get saved. So I might need to read some verses before and after because that's how that's how narratives work. Narratives deal with characters, characters having discussions and they are trying to get across a point through the different dramas or what is taking place in the work. So that's how the Holy Spirit is using those writings to speak to us. And a lot of persons, especially in our day and age, it's easy to understand that because we are all exposed to narratives. We watch movies and movies are a form of narrative. And this is kind of like an artistic piece which nobody really watches apart from the person who acted in it and directed and their family members. But other than that, <laughs> the rest of things we watch, you have a main character, supporting cast, you have a plot, you have a storyline and there's a point they're trying to get across to you. So we, we are exposed to narratives, even before movies, books. Back in the days, I used to read Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew. Books are narratives, and you're getting a point across. So God predominantly uses this, because life is like a narrative, right? You write a person's story, it takes on, because other persons are involved and different things happen. But if I was going to read Proverbs, one proverb, one, one verse may just be self-contained. The verse preceding it might not have anything to do with the verse that I'm reading. Cause that's just how that's just how proverbs work. Cause prophet, proverbs is poetry. So some poetic books you don't need to read the verse before or after in order to understand one verse. Cause each verse in itself might be a nugget of information or wisdom or knowledge that is it contains the entire thought or idea in one verse. So as you read each book, the genre is very important in order for you to grasp or fully understand what the Lord was saying through this type of writing, right? Because we all learn different, we are all different type of people. Some of us are musical, some of us are poetic, some of us are more legalistic, are legal and whatever it is. So whatever you're, whoever you are, these writings bring across God's wisdom and mind to humanity through different types. He's not static, God is dynamic. So when we get to prophetic books, especially one like Revelation, there's a lot of symbols in the book because 
there, there are sometimes I'm going to say this it's not like God is hiding it but sometimes like God is hiding it it's not on the surface you're not going to just read it like that and get everything that is there so I'm going to bring out three things to help you understand symbols in the book of Revelation one the book explains some of the symbols right so the book itself Revelation itself explain some of the symbols so if i turn to revelations chapter 1 verse 20 listen to what revelations chapter 1 verse 20 says the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are are the angels of the seven churches so here christ is already explaining some of the symbols that john was seeing and he said the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches so he himself is explaining the symbols that that exist in the book so when people say you cannot read revelation and understand anything that is not true because the book itself seeks to explain some of the symbols right so when i'm reading chapters two and three the, the most important thing i can understand that hey these are to seven churches and these seven churches are represented symbolically um by a lampstand right which i think it's in the book of zachariah i'm not so sure is that true anyway um that you hear about the lampstand and the two olive press or something along that line but i'm not going to go into that no so it, it's explaining some of the symbols and that might that you might find that being true as you progress throughout the book of revelation where there are times when the observer is asking a question and there might be somebody who is explaining so these are they who have gone through great tribulation so there are some things that are explained it's not total um totally unexplainable or it's not total that you cannot understand it so number two so that is one so stars represent messengers lampstand represent churches and so we, we're at least reaching somewhere we're dealing with the epistles when god said i'm going to move the lampstand or he says i'm going to whatever you get an idea of what it is god said he's going to do and and we can know that i don't think any of these churches exist today as far as i know none of these churches exist today i think at some point through church the church age these churches were actually removed and it helps us to understand something the devil doesn't shut down churches god himself shut down churches the lord jesus himself comes i guess when the church is not representing him properly are bringing about a proper understanding of who he is when the church has become corrupt and worldly then i think the lord shut it down because he does not want the world to get a wrong understanding of who he is and probably he starts some other work somewhere else or i don't know um maybe moves on from that particular location if if the church was viable in that location for a long time people did not adhere to it then maybe you just close it down and leave the people to their reptilate mind um all right so that's one way of looking at it number two other prophetic books explain certain symbols so if i'm reading revelation and there are some things i cannot understand there might be another prophetic book that already explains it so they didn't they, they didn't bother go back through the process of explaining what they mean like for instance daniel at chapter 7 and chapter 8 you already know that when the bible speaks about beasts or great beasts they tend to represent superpowered nations that have the power to conquer and bring into subjection other nations and if you recognize i think one of the horsemen uh, um he himself say you'll recognize that he says to conquer 
so it, it it symbolizes it's not just nations so beasts don't represent nation and i think why it's a beast is because it's a it's a it's a it's an amalgamation or it's a coming together of different characteristics because if you'll notice you'd say it's a leper with wings so he had recognized that okay it was once a leper but now it has become merged with probably an eagle so it's a culmination of different nations coming together to form a like a super um a super nation and most times this is with the purpose of conquering and bringing into captivity other nations an assimilation of nations to create one super nation and that has been something that has as from the book of genesis this is a spirit that has been in the world with the tower of babel or if you want to call it babel from it from that point we find nimrod um that some theologians say that it was nimrod who actually started it it's it might not be so clear if you're just reading the versions but there are some who, who, who suppose and that when he says he was a mighty hunter of men it was not necessarily that Nimrod was going around catching people and eating them which would be just gross but he was actually capturing people and bringing them under his kind of rulership he was he was bringing them into into his kind of system he, he was he was proponing himself as a human government and it's actually the first time in the bible that we really get that idea of a human government an individual who is ruling over people right so the concept has been there from the tower of babel and you'd later find out that babylon comes from even the word babel and if you're reading the gospel in in the book of revelation you're still going to hear babylon the great has fallen so it's it's a lot of the symbols as i said you might not see it in the book but if you have some prior understanding of biblical narrative you'll be able to understand what these symbols mean and and you'd be able to be able to put some of these things together and be able to get a, a proper understanding of as i say of what some of these symbols mean so you can understand it if you spend enough time and number three some symbols are not explained so contrary to thought um anything that has to do with eschatology or last day things or end time events it must be considered to be speculative so even some of the things that i might go into it is always speculative now what does it mean by speculative theology because of the history of humanity there has never been any time where persons have 100 percent figured out how prophecies were going to play out even from the time of um let's say enoch with noah I think it was Enoch and he said, you have no one, you're not, your son will do this and that. Even though that was a prophetic utterance, many persons did not know that it was going to take place by a flood. And Noah was going to have an ark. Or let's say when God said to Abraham that your, your people are going to go into captivity for 400 years. Many persons probably did not see that when they were going down to Egypt that, okay, so the captivity we're walking into, the captivity that the Lord spoke about. It, these things kind of play out in a way that persons don't fully comprehend how we are going into it right because if we did we would never get caught in it that's just the truth if we knew 100 what this the text mean none of these prophecies would take place because we do everything to ensure that it does not happen or the world would ensure that if it's going to happen we're going to make sure that we are safe and most times it already shows that that's not what's going to play out so a lot of times you see people come and they might say oh our denominations come out and oh we have this whole thing figured out uh you know uh, we have this we have the entire thing figured out what the mark of the beast is it's, it's 666 and it's a chip well i'm not going to take any chip because i it's a possibility that it could be a chip but when when most of the the the, the, the known world 
has that concept that it is a chip then chances are it's either not going to take place in this generation and it's going to take place in a generation that don't care if it's a chip and don't believe that there's a god so we're going to take the chip anyway but um most times when prophecies are going to take place it the belief and the concept is not ingrained in society uh we could use even jesus coming as an explanation these people were pharisees and scribes they were spending time that was their job to look in the book and to look for the messiah and they crucified jesus and to this day they're still looking so they did not understand the prophecy so we cannot be presumptuous and say we are 100 it is always going to be speculative it's of when the rapture is going to take place whether before the tribulation after the tribulation whether the millennium period is subsequent we hold to views but in order to be in order to be in order to be accountable we must say that this is a view because we are looking at future events and to stand up and say oh this is definitely what is going to happen i think that would be careless and it has been careless by a lot of religious organizations who who sell out 100 that this is definitely what is going to happen and let me tell you why the danger is in behind that let's say based on my reading i believe that there is a rapture that will take place um to protect god's people from the tribulation right but let's say i was wrong what that would mean is if i tell people that this is 100 what's going to happen people will take the mark of the beast and say no but the church has not been raptured so this cannot be the mark of the beast i know i see 666 but this cannot be the mark of the beast because we have been told that we will not be here and there's the church there's pastor there's bishop i'm checking um google i don't see where there's any vanishing of any major number of christians i don't even see one report of a missing christian um on on any social network so obviously what we're going into could not be the mark so i'm going to take this mark and i'm going to buy and i'm going to sell because this could not be the mark of the beast because we were told that we would not be here that's why i think there has to be accountability and that we put forward what we believe but also highlight other views that cannot be disproven because sometimes we hold to views and there are other views and the truth is we cannot disprove the other view but we just don't take the other view and i think we have to be biblically accountable especially to our listeners and our hearers i'm here to say to you a listener to hearer don't just sit and and, and read the book that your denomination throw out at you um i'm not saying you must go read um demonic works but sometimes try to find out what are the other views and the scriptures that they use to back up their views because sometimes when you begin to look at some scriptures that they use to back up their views you really say you know there's a possibility that this could be true i know that there's a possibility that that i am saying can be true but also what they're saying can be true too but what i find happening is that because we are so associated with a denomination and this this church age the, the people are so filled with the spirit of debate that even other persons are showing them that hey this is my viewpoint and this we don't want to admit that that makes sense because we're just holding to what we hold and our grandmother and my past and my bishop but we should be open to see what others have in the word right because that's just the reality if they have a scripture and there are some people who twist the word they twist it as peter says about paul's writing i think in second peter that some people they twist the writings to their own destruction so i know people can twist the word but i believe that if anytime there's something that is there you must prayerfully say lord i want you to help me at this season i don't want to just be dogmatic i just want to say i was lucky to be born in this denomination and because i'm in this denomination i was just lucky but there i mean no denomination has it 100 percent 
I mean, I think most denominations have it enough for salvation. But when it comes to prophetic work, most denominations don't have it 100%. And the truth of the matter is, in my little understanding, most of the persons who exist today, who are alive today, did not go into fashion in the doctrines that we live by. In fact, I would dare to say that a lot of the information that we have as doctrine, even while our denomination was forming, we brought it over from the denomination from which we split um, in the past. So it's, it's, it's not like, okay, um, everything that we did, we came up with on our own. We go into some prayer and fasting, whether you are whatever denomination you are. And I must say that I am, I disclaimer, I am representing my own views and not the views of whatever denomination i am representing my own views now every denomination start with probably a framework of scripture that they already believed in so whether they came from the baptist church they would have come over with something that they believed in but the reason they were leaving is because probably they, they they were expanding or they found something happening among themselves that allowed them to say hey i can't stick with with the baptist church anymore so i'm expanding in my views because i believe in the baptism of the holy spirit so when i'm coming over i'm bringing what i believe in already and i'm taking those doctrines over with me and i might be doing some little fine tuning and adding what i believe about um the gift of the spirit baptism in the holy spirit so the truth of the matter is it's not like any of us today went and really formulated any any of these doctrines these were formulated in a time and a season that was sometime 100 years ago 200 400 500 years ago and we have brought it over so ideas that because if 500 years ago somebody had a misunderstanding of the rapture i don't think god would chastise them because it, it really had nothing to do with what when, when the, it wouldn't have happened in their season so it was neither here nor there because they were not going to be exposed to the season of the end and the, the, the mark and the beast system so some of these things really god could have just make it slide because it wouldn't even have applied to their generation but if you notice when it comes to the mark of the beast the bible says he that has an understanding uh, work out the mark it's a name of a, it's a number of a man yada 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 so there comes a generation that have to go back and do some serious doctrinal work right because it never applied then so if they had it wrong it wouldn't matter they would die and it, it would never be it would never become it would never affect their walk with jesus because in that age 1700 the, the end time prophetic work would not even apply to them so in our generation who do what we do we most time we are walking with something that we, we came in contact with or that was formulated like 500 400 years ago and we say well my grandmother said this is what she knew i'm a great great grandmother and i'm going with my great great grandmother said and if you don't like it you can't stay but me know my grandmother she was a powerful woman of god i mean know my bishop so they wouldn't get it wrong and we're just walking in oblivion without even going back to say okay we have more information now in this season we need to go back and look at what what we were viewing and re you know go back through it again and see what is it that these things mean in light of the, the, what we are currently experiencing on the global stage so i implore you spend time and read um read some of these read the book read the bible and as you read it you'll just find that there's an excitement that comes upon you as you spend time reading the word and prayerfully ask god to help you to understand and pray for me that whatever i'm going to say will be helpful to you whether you're in brazil wherever you are i see that we have this i have listeners all over the place so wherever you are spend time to 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 ensure that you are reading it so that you 
will be in the know in this time and this season all right god bless you so the, the next podcast i'm going to release god's willing it's i'm going to talk about the letter to ephesus that's that's revelations chapter 2 1 to 7 all right god bless you have a wonderful evening until we speak again